0: In this episode, I spoke to John Paul Rice. Uh, for the last couple of decades, he's been in filmmaking, banking, entrepreneurship, uh, technology. Uh, nowadays, he's continuing uh, healing and learning from the trauma experienced in childhood inspired him to find creative and compassionate solutions for a new paradigm of truth, authenticity, compassion, empathy. And unconditional Love. Uh, he's well versed in a variety of areas and topics, uh, including Hollywood, art, culture and, and social bonds, which he believes must be healed and reconciled to reverse the abuse and traumatization that is happening globally to both children and adults alike. I love talking to John. We went into a range of different and difficult topics. Uh, including the big corporations and it's rolling cover-ups on some of the major and important topics that need to be covered that uh, simply are not covered. Uh, we talk about consciousness work, spirituality, and how we can heal uh, ourselves and others. I really enjoy talking to John. He's quite a big name now having gone viral back in 2020 uh, when he went on Instagram to discuss amazon censorship of uh the film he made a child's voice where they uh, essentially just censored it and, and, and no one could watch it so that's when he sort of made a name for himself in this arena uh, please enjoy the the podcast i'm not sure if this is going to stick around on amazon um, but if not it'll be on my website or on odyssey okay enjoy the episode hey john paul rice thanks for joining me i really appreciate it
1: alex pleasure to be here with you thanks for having me on today
0: uh tell us about yourself uh i first listened to you on the here for the truth podcast on a, in a conversation basis but i come across some of your work a couple of years ago now so can you tell people a bit about yourself uh, and how you've got to where you are today
1: sure um, well, my background in uh, the film industry spans over two decades. I got my start in feature films with, as an actor in Remember the Titans, and then later we were soldiers with Mel Gibson. Um, I went to Hollywood to be an actor. I had strong acting background as a child and into high school, but I also had a business sense. Um, I had been a salesman from the age of 17 to 21 and had made over four and a half million dollars for my father's company during that time. And uh, when acting came along, it really wasn't planned that I would turn and pivot away from business. I was in college for two and a half, three years and just had an opportunity that I created, but also landed in my lap. And that was the audition for Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington. Um, Totally changed my life, went out there with $500, a floor to sleep on, and a couple of credit cards, and ended up surviving out there for 19 years, um, getting into finance, sales, distribution, production, uh, and having basically like a four-year university at one production company called Senator International, which was based out of Germany, And that company ended up growing and doing Juno, The Grudge, Harold and Kumar, Stranger Than Fiction, and probably to this day, over 40 titles. Uh, My mentor, Joseph Drake, was the executive producer of The Hunger Games. And I learned under Joe, He he was fantastic for me to learn about the real inside part of the industry and what really a producer is. And so um, with that, I had met a Latino writer director, Edgar Bravo, and we formed a company in 2008 called No Restrictions Entertainment and went on to produce now seven films in pre-production on our eighth over the course of 12 years. Um, The films that I got involved with were ones that dealt with issues that Hollywood, while I've come to understand, Hollywood, if ever, rarely addresses in the reality sense These are feature films, but everything, my first film, One Hour Fantasy Girl, which was based on a true story about a young girl who was trying to survive in a world of the underground world of fantasies, which was no sex, no kissing, no nudity, but that men were willing to pay $150 to $200 an hour for for her to fulfill their fantasies, and It was uh, a groundbreaking film at the time, not that I thought it was, but that people saw it and it got so well reviewed and acclaimed. It opened so many other doors for us. And seven films later, uh, basically in 2017, I did a deep dive in human trafficking on children, small children globally, and came across NEST's of pedophile rings, murderous pedophile rings. This is the stuff that isn't talked about where it regards Jeffrey Epstein or Ghislaine Maxwell. It's usually kept to sex trafficking of of teenage or young women. Um, I found in my research that going back dozens of years, decades, in fact, that this had been a major problem internationally. Uh, It had basically brought people of positions of power, the hidden hands, not the faces that you and I know as on the world stage, but people behind the scenes. And I met SRA survivors, um, people who had done and seen horrific things beyond anything that most people really want to talk about or, or can stomach. Um, and I ended up up making that movie a child's voice which was based on a supernatural fictitious fictitious story but we put real disclosure in there and it was all about the road to redemption through love of two outsiders who are not your typical heroes both of them very flawed but the child's voice that had lived on from the spirit of that child after being sacrificed ritualistically had brought them together in love, and that gave them the courage to stand up for all children. Um, little did I know that in 2020, August of 2020, which is what you mentioned, that video, uh, where you, a lot of people internationally learned about me that year, mm-hmm. was, was that I did an Instagram Live. And it had to do with the censorship of that film on Amazon's platform, for which out of nowhere, they just unpublished it. And they took it out of the search searches you couldn't look up my name or a child's voice it's still up there but you can only find it through our website and you can't even rent it so it's just it's just a placeholder, but mm-hmm. they they hid it from searches they hid it from anything that you could find, and this was all going on in the summer of 2020. Because of the Maxwell um, testimony coming out, but it being kept away from the public, of course it was online, and then also the, the Wayfair scandal, or and I call it a scandal, regardless of what happened in that, the way that the Wayfair people handled that and the corporate messaging that they put out, they weren't even going to do an investigation into it. They justified the prices of tens of thousands of dollars for Objects that don't cost that amount and they just said that 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 their clients or the people that post on there. They have no control over it. Right. Um, Anyway, that video that I did, I only had 700 followers at the time on Instagram. I wasn't pre meditating any of that and it just flowed out in the everything that I said and then I sent it to a couple of my friends and then it just went super viral um, to this day, over hundred million people have viewed it based on what we could tell at, before YouTube started taking down all the videos and Facebook, hiding it in the searches and TikTok and all of that. Um, and so I, you know, I had a personal, I guess, journey to get here that had to deal with my own examination of my trauma from childhood in relation to what's going on in the world. And it gave me a very interesting perspective, I guess you could say after doing deep reflections, meditations, contemplations, uh, even healing to an extent, and I don't say healing as a final note, because I think it's a perpetual thing that you unpack layers at a time. Um, but it, it just gave me a deeper sense of understanding in relation to everything that we're kind of witnessing now. And so, um, that's it.
0: So you've had over hundred million views on that. Um, obviously I'm assuming that you never sort of did that with the intention of creating such an impact, but how has that affected your life since then?
1: Well, um, I would say that the most powerful aspect of that for which happened was the messages that I received from mothers and fathers all over the world and still do to this day. Um, of course, it was thousands and thousands of messages initially, and um, it's been shared now on Telegram and other other people who've discovered it, but, um, It impacted my life to see that by speaking the truth and not being afraid um, that you have the power to affect people in a way that most, I guess people may go into media or other controlled outlets where, you know, there's a lot of money and yet see the changes in people. For example, I got a message from a man who's a father of children, and he just said one thing to me that, like, I don't think it blew me away, but it, it just, it was so poignant and so succinct, he said, I will never look at my children the same ever again, and um, I received letters from mothers and grandmothers, uh, people I, you know, I've never met, and just said, thank you so much for having the courage to stand up, Um, all all children are precious, all children have this inherent beauty. It was the focus, what I was trying to do, if there was something I was conscious of in that video, was I was trying to show the importance of why we need to reestablish a foundation of truth in the world that is not debatable, and that is that the magnificence, preciousness, and divinity of all children has to be preserved we can't allow ourselves to drift into a society where we're arguing and fighting over each other when children's lives are secondary to all of that and it has it has human trafficking is a symptom of a much larger problem but it's really our child abuse system it's the commodification of human beings it's the devaluing, devaluing of a life based on labels, based on socioeconomic. All of these things that have permeated throughout our culture and society for such a very long time have been literally manufactured and orchestrated to turn us away from ourselves, to turn us away from what's important. So to come full circle, it's like I received feedback from people all over the world that confirmed all the things that I had believed and known to be true in this time that I came to understand. And the the most important thing, I guess I would take away from it is that you don't have to go into the horrors of the world in order to see the beauty. It's only that in seeing the ugliness of things that you know the opposite is true. Mm -hmm. And that it's a very small group of people When you get to the very, very, very top of the the power structure that are doing all of this to us, and it's really our time to awaken to the reality of that and take back those institutions, take back the sovereignty and our birthright that we're born into this world with, it's not something that can be won in elections or political movements alone. Stand up to tyranny, yes, and all of that is important, but it's what comes after that that really is what you create that the that the, the leadership, let me just say this, the leadership that is all going to respond on a linear timeline to everything that occurred before in response to, but these are unconscious people who are not realizing that you're serving a system of power trying to affect it, but it's more more likely that it's really affecting you mm. and and that's that's where I felt um it was most important to state these truths because it really does come back to all of us being children of a creator of heaven and earth and realizing that there isn't a separateness there isn't there isn't this separation is all orchestrated, created and manufactured in our minds. And and the more we give and vote away our sovereign rights to people who serve that power, whether they're aware or not aware is the issue. It's our unawareness that's creating all of this in conjunction with that because we're looking for an answer outside to come in and rescue us and make the problem better. Mm -hmm. And, And doing the internal work for yourself and for the people that you love and your family and your own children is really where it's at. It's not going to be, it's not going to be celebrated in balance sheets and metrics and KPI. Mm. Um, It really comes down to how you feel about yourself and the world around you and the love that you are putting out through care that makes the difference, all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah, I I question myself, some of the the things that I see in the world and everything, and I catch myself as well, I'll go out and say that's horrendous what's going on and everything. But then I also introspectively know or or grasp that uh, a lot of of all this is the collective psychosis that's stored within all of us and sort of manifesting itself out there in reality. And we need to take ownership of our own stuff before we can really even contemplate fixing anything that's going on out there. And I see a lot of that in the personal development or spirituality, if you like, or whatever consciousness type environment. And it's very much about fixing the world out there before they've even contemplated um, their own inner demons and everything. And um, I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying there, to be fair. You mentioned about the... You were shocked at how big the nest was. I think that was your terminology. The nest of this uh, web of deceit. How much of an impact does the, the big corporations that everybody's aware of and the media have in the, the cover-up of it? Is, it, is that any, as enormous as the nest itself?
1: Yes, because it's fueled by narcissistic behaviors, which when you drift on down that path, Um, You're talking about selfishness, self-serving, greed. Mm. Um, You can get into sociopathic and psychopathic behaviors. Um, It, it consumes all of us because the people that are on television that are hired now, again, I personally am like, I don't go down and, make blanket statements about everyone that's why when in the video i talked about the hierarchy being controlled the messaging being controlled and everybody is simply doing their job as they believe it to be um so the more the higher up in that hierarchy you go the more what you and i would observe wicked or selfish greed like behaviors occur but understand that, and this is not to excuse them um, but that but that they make concessions on things that you and I would see as morally wrong and and that's just the way the world is to them, and that's the trajectory they've been on their entire life, so somebody being into kids or You know, something like that, although most people would distance themselves from anybody who is involved that way, uh, at the same time, if they feel that way and are rewarded and have an institution or a system that allows them to indulge in that type of behavior where everybody stays quiet, um, you're going to attract more of those types in who are in they have their own contradictions. They have their own issues internally that they have not addressed or dealt with, nor have any interest really in doing so. A narciss- a person, when I say narcissistic behavior, I'm not talking about narcissists as the as, as declar- declarations of people, but of course you do get into that. And what it really amounts to is that kind of like the way a lot of people you mentioned see the problems being external that we have to fix. They themselves see themselves in relation to the rest of the world as being virtuous or in the knowing or privileged. So it's almost like they cast their own inverse inversions as a projection onto the world that human beings themselves. And this is really the truth about psychopaths um, and their, and their, thought processes is that uh they're going to prove themselves right in other words they are never at fault for the way into which they have to deal with things in other words it's 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 society right it's everybody else A human being is no no different than they are this is this is the child abuse system that i'm talking about where if you've come up In your life believing those types of things you that started long before they got into power that started long before they got the job. It was a natural evolution for each and every single one of them that they have a right to do this. They're the ones who are educated. They're the ones who are privileged. They're the ones who make the money. They're the ones who understand how the world really works. And the rest of us are just ignorant. And I I would tell you, like in the media industry, this is probably the worst part of uh, what most people don't know is that the people on television who are smiling, telling you the news, telling you what's true, you know, they look at all of us from the top down as shit eaters. And they believe that as long as you keep eating their shit, they have a right to keep feeding it to you. That's, that's sort of the justification for it. Um, they don't really see us as human beings that are worthy of love or care or any kind of truth because at the end of the day, if we keep buying their product, if we keep listening to what they have to say and taking it in as fact or even a response to for or against, you're giving it energy. And for them, it's like, It's a logical conclusion for them. I know this sounds so crazy because most human beings are are not, even if you're, I'm saying even if you're troubled and you got issues, most human beings don't sit there and look at the goodness of people as a weakness. These people do. They see it as you're not smart enough to figure out what they're doing to you, and therefore they have a right to do it to you, and they'll keep doing it until exhaustion or collapse. And that's kind of where we're on this trajectory right now that I see is that the news media, they can't course correct, they can't not be who they are. This is the, this is the the hierarchy. This is the collective mind of, of our media today this is a very, very dangerous game that we're playing and, and engaged in because everything they say, they say with truth and conviction, because that's how they actually feel and the best the best actors are the ones that are unaware the most unconscious people that are self-serving egoic um self-interested have no problem lying to you with a straight face and i can i can tell you this for certain most of the people in hollywood have not taken the vaccine most of the people and when i'm saying most of the people in hollywood at the very top who have mm-hmm. been on late night television shows <laughs> They either got a saline solution and took money, but most of them took money to Mm. say that they did. Their speech is bought and paid for. There is a price that every single one of these people has in order to maintain their position where they are. And they don't, they just don't have remorse for it. They don't have any kind of self-reflection internally that gives them like, maybe this is wrong. They just don't have that. They don't have that part in their brain that allows them to, to say, my God, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why we're, we're in the trouble that we're in a lot of it because we have given our authority over to people that we don't even know when that camera turns off, dude, you don't know who these people are. They're actors. They, they, they are great in those five, three to five minute clips and they're brilliant. I'm not. I'm not saying that that makes it good. I'm not praising them, but they're brilliant at that level of deception. But when the camera's off and they're they're away from the public view, you have no clue who these people are in real life at all.
0: Yeah, and I think I'd ask the question here: What role does mind control in uh, probably trauma-based mind control have in the average person believing all this? Uh, stuff that we see that's put in front of us because in my opinion an organic natural human who, with, a, with a a clean mind if you like a purified mind would have uh, how to label it, a, a detector of sorts that could discern between what's going on I like to think of myself if I see anything that's really deceitful I can sort of smell it from a mile away it, it's very apparent so I'd ask what role mind control has in that that happening.
1: This is a really dense one because you can come at it from so many different angles, but the simple thing is fear and trauma-based mind control is all based on fear, fear of, fear of living, fear of death. Um, When you're talking about trauma-based mind control, you know, a lot of times that sort of exists in a vacuum to people are like, well, what the hell does that mean? Well, Let's just take like a practical example, right? COVID-19, two years ago, spoken into existence by the media, by our politicians, by our governments, um, by the authority figures on television, the doctors and all of that. Okay, what did they do? In, In declaring this a pandemic and a deadly virus, for which, again, facts don't matter, right? I mean, we can go through all of those facts. 99.67 99.8% survival rate is not a pandemic period. It's a pandemic of fear, but that fear was what, what was given to everyone in 2020, the fear of death mm-hmm. on a global mass scale, 7 billion plus people at a certain point, even if they questioned it, even if they go, I'm not sure they all withdrew And then they had mandates, lockdowns, so it became real, right? You had to stay inside. You couldn't go to your job. Like All of those things, again, began to happen that reality sets in that this is real, even though what I'm seeing or what I know doesn't add up to what I'm seeing. The fear of dying takes away all of your illusions of any type of future that you have the uncertainty of it and so what happens you're in a constant state of fear chemically um, which affects your emotions mentally everybody's immune system begins to drop this is how they can kill people off because when you have your internal fears being raised your unconscious traumas which don't have words they don't have memory either Most people don't realize that even though you may have endured trauma as a child, it doesn't mean that you remember it, but your body does. And they know this. They know how to get into your mind. They know how to influence your behaviors through neuro-linguistic programming, which is NLP. A lot of people should look this up and study it. It's not, it's not a conspiracy. This is science. This is based on being able from your politicians to your media personalities, and even salesmen use these techniques. They're trained in them, trained.
0: I'm trained to in NLP put, as well. So I understand that whole yeah. system of, of uh, programming. It.
1: Right. And it, it basically for the viewers that don't know, it was like this, you can be thinking the same thought, the same way you did the day before, but what they come at to you is with emotionally charged language in <clears throat> context to shift your behaviors without you even knowing that that's what you're doing. You don't see the contradiction from the day before or the months and the weeks before everything that they said before that doesn't matter when you have in this particular case with COVID. And this is why we're, we're seeing the, the, the cognitive dissonance at an all-time high now when you have fear programmed into people by trusted voices or authorities, even if you don't know them, even if you're not sure when watching the screen, either on your phone or the television, they know that the subconscious mind, there's 10 laws that govern it. One of them is this, the subconscious mind, which makes up 95% of all of our thoughts, 40 to 60,000 a day. You don't pre you don't, you're not pre thinking them. They're coming out of your subconscious mind. So what does that mean? In the subconscious mind, fears that are real and fears that are imagined are treated equal. So there's no no judgment in the subconscious mind as to what is real and what is imagined. And so if they can plant that fear inside of you and tell you on TV what you should be afraid of, what what language they use it's very careful all of it is carefully chosen and scripted but what it does is it goes right past this frontal cortex into your subconscious mind even if you don't like the person however if you were to walk outside and a stranger were to come up and give you the exact same information you would have more critical thought and judgment before you would believe that individual that's how powerful this stuff is and with the nlp over six months, this is a this is scientific fact that Sarah Westall and others have helped to disclose in this mind warfare that they are playing on humanity. After six months of constant messaging of fear, if that same person who messaged the fear for six months begins to tell the truth, the same people that took in the message of the fear, trusting that authority figure, even though that person comes full circle with disclosure and saying what is what is actually going on, they won't be believed. In most cases, those same people that were programmed with fear will reject the new information that they've been given. And this is where our, I guess what I wanna say is that where we're headed towards is not just with COVID, but all things. Is that our own understandings of things have been embedded in, and have been baked into the left hemisphere of the brain? Our left hemisphere of the brain is analytical, it takes in the facts. It's it's all manifesting on data, data-driven and literal interpretations data. That's a very simplistic way of viewing it, but it really is true. And when the left hemisphere has been overstimulated for such a long period of time. It can't come up with new possibilities and new meanings of data that might be anomalous in most people, not all, but in most people. And so even though you may go up to somebody and try to give them facts and tell them the truth, you can't change how they feel until such time that that person may meet another authority, uh, an authority that is greater than you. All you can do is basically prepare them for the next speaker. That's, that's about the best you could do is to plant the seed and give care to that person and show it rather than to just profess that you care about them no different than what we're seeing here in the United States. The left says they love humanity, but they hate human beings. Um, it's, it's those things that we're really going to be paying a dear price for in the future Um, how and why all that will play out the way it will is anybody's guess but we're going to be stuck with an entire generation of people who um, have self-hatred projected outside activists who seeking outside answers trying to you know, change this over here. And if we just get this done, you know, it's like, you hear the arguments over and over and over. We just do this, then we can do all these other things. It's like, no, that's not how it works. They'll distract you with one thing while they're doing all these other things that they're moving in. Um, Anyway, I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent there, but the, the main weapon of choice is always fear. It's drugs, sex, NLP mind tricks, it basically manifests into this a nihilistic view that says hypersexualized, materialist, and violent culture is, in fact, the reality because everything else outside of me is BS, right? It's not true. This is where you're going to get the New Agers, your Satanists. Um, you're, you're going to see people who are lower vibrational energy seeing the outside world as the problem but yet they are pure and preserved and and correct in their arguments against the falsehoods of society and that's that's kind of where we're at with i tend to see that
0: here in the uk in particular i don't know what it's like in the us but the, the far left wing of politics if you I hate, I hate the, the political spectrum, anyway, but what you might consider the far left wing of politics gets swept up in all of this "greater good" as we keep hearing, and the "great reset" and all that stuff about. As long as we take care of everybody and we make sure this, this, this happens, the world will be a great place. While they are the ones that are marching down the streets, trashing the place and tearing down statues and all this, they don't see the reflection. me that's their darkness that they're putting out into the world by their actions not by what they're saying you know the greater good sounds fantastic to anyone with a reasonable brain but the reality is that uh, from where i'm concerned that for the last i don't know 150 years whenever that term has been used it's caused mass destruction and people can't see this as particularly the far left it seems they can't see that i could throw hitler and, and and all these other Stalin and all these all use the same ideologies as what we're seeing right today it's yep. blatant and it's just nothing will get through as you say nothing will get through that that barrier because it's been conditioned to be so
1: yeah well i i'll be the first to tell you i was on the left the political left um not that long ago um Prior to 2017, you know, I I voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary in 2016, Um, not because I was a communist or a socialist. In fact, I saw the beginnings of this at the end of his campaign, where there were people that were angry because they knew he had been rigged out of the election. And those that were anti-government, you know, anti-authority, the... it is so weird. I guess what I'm saying is how, in five short years here in the United States, that the anti-establishment left, mm. who was su- suspicious of the CIA, the FBI, did knew that our government was corrupt, knew that the media lied, mm. wholly endorsed and embraced those institutions again as their salvation because of Donald Trump and what really shocked me the most is how the fake news tyranny created the real tyrannical side of that movement how it went from a loving like Jeremy Corbyn same thing it it was all born out of this rejection of the status quo. This was all said four or five years ago. And yet what happens is, is that these policies the leftists adapt don't realize that they're billionaires giving these politicians license to do what they want to do. It's not because Bernie Sanders is, um, and I'm just using him as an example, it's not that he himself is conscious or AOC is conscious of what they're doing. They're just players in that world. They're they're true believers, right? But they don't realize the world that they're in because they have whatever their issues are psychologically. I don't, I mean, I could, if I spent the time I could probably tell you, but they have enormous contradictions between being an economic populist and then taking this emotional word salad You know, of racism and bigotry and white supremacy and all all of it and going, okay, you call everyone this, but you're not actually saying anything. You're just using it as a a means to further anchor yourself among your base of people and reinforce the propaganda. You're not offering solutions. Mm -hmm. You're not actually spelling out to people how this is going to work out. Green technology, for example, the Green New Deal. I'm all for preserving the environment, but when I, and I'll even take the leftist full circle, say, hey, $150 trillion, fine. If you believe this is a World War II effort, like it's been sold to you, I'm gonna say, okay, great. Show me how it's gonna work. How are we getting out of global warming that you believe exists or climate change that exists and the warming of the atmosphere, if we're going to destroy tens of millions of acres of trees which are the lungs of the earth in order to save the earth. You're telling me that we're going to gut forests and lay down all of these solar panels, which have radioactive materials in them that will need to be replaced and disposed of in 10 to 30 years minimum. But that is also going to heat up the earth because they're taking in the sun. So the land around them is going to heat up. The air around them is going to heat up and we're not going to have enough trees To be able to preserve the oxygen that the co2 is being pulled down from and anchored into these trees now all of the environmental policies that are offered come from billionaires and if you follow the money you will find that it all goes up into two or three major corporations multinational corporations which own all of the patents so there is no competition to it they are now submitting their authority back to the billionaire class yet again in order to be solved. And for their supposed distrust of corporations, they're now going to ultimately come into a corporatized solution yet again. And the politicians that do this know this. When they're talking about printing money, they are not addressing the issues of inflation they're not addressing the issues of fiat currency, they go to the central banks, and they want them to just print and manifest money out of thin air which all goes into the banks first, which is where the top value of that dollar is by the time it's spent and drip in drips down to you and I, that money is worthless near worthless. And so when you talk about $15 minimum wage. Sounds wonderful but you're burning the wick at both ends of that candle because you have now established a new bottom without addressing the rising costs of prices. It's like putting a band-aid on it. It's chasing after a problem rather than getting at the root cause of it. So what's happened to the left, unfortunately, is this emotional virtue signaling language that has no reality in anything. There are problems. Don't get me wrong. There are real problems out there but they have no solutions that are actually viable. The real danger that I want to tell people is that we have an authoritarian left that is emerging, but don't think for a second that an authoritarian right won't come in, into existence as a response to it, to sweep all of this shit away. And that's the real danger of this time, which is why I've kind of told people just you, you need to pump the brakes on taking sides joe rogan elon musk all of these all of these different people it's like we still haven't learned we still have not learned that no there's controlled opposition out there whether elon musk believes himself to be or is out there him putting out a tweet and everybody retweeting that as it being like sacrosanct fact it's like you guys don't realize that they're playing you on all sides. They don't care what side you choose. They're gonna do their agenda the way they wanna do it until such time that we stop investing in heroes and saviors in a world controlled by money and power and systems that have been designed to serve an elite few group of people even if they trade out all the left billionaires for the right-wing ones. It's not to say that they're evil, but they still, yet again, in opposition to each other, they will see themselves as virtuous and good because of the tyranny, which there is a real reason to be you know, cautious and fight against and stand up against. But at the end of the day, it's just, are we trading out one side for another? That's really what I asked. It was like, you got to think more critically about this. Are you trading out one side for the other to get rid of the bad people so that we can have our good billionaires, that these are the ones that are going to take care of us the same way the left sees their own supporters, their own politicians, their own billionaires and their own authority figures as being their saviors. So it's the same thing, but it's two sides of the same coin or really two sides of the same mirror. Mm -hmm. Everybody looks and sees what they wish to see that is reflected back to them that they agree with. And that's what I'm seeing emerge in this time. And again, it goes back to rather than seeing there being a problem out there that you can solve, you go one-on-one with people one-on-one in the face of power they will never see coming they will never see the goodness rising in people as a means other than to find a way to push it back into the the next storyline the next narrative that they're going to unfold and they'll play this off of each other until collapse they really will the society these are manufactured rituals that have been done throughout time. We did not arrive here yesterday. We didn't come here four years ago. We've been on a timeline and a trajectory over decades to get our parents and our grandparents and the children of those parents all separated from each other to have the quote generational gaps. This is all orchestrated and manufactured. You can go back to the 1960s on David Ike's own iconic media show they just recently had a guy on there fantastic talking about how the entire 1960s at minimum was influenced by the cia and that was all by design to create the feminist movement which would get women into the workplace which is not to say that women don't deserve to work or be empowered but it's the net effect of all of that we have men and women today who have been stripped of their divine feminine and their divine masculine attributes we are now dealing with the inversion of those things where we have women becoming men and men becoming women and it's culturally and socially engineered anybody who doesn't believe this or thinks that i'm being sexist or racist or whatever the hell it is go look at corydiggs.com and you will see the transhumanist agenda and the transgender agenda having she puts it on. This is a female who puts it on a timeline over decades how they've been socially engineering human beings away from their true divine selves in order to create these manifestations of perversion, create social and cultural wars that have nothing to do with reality. And today, in a world of technology, I'm going to tell you this is the biggest challenge coming up for all of us. Child abuse used to be the only thing that would determine many of these problems in society in the home. What they are now doing with virtual reality is your brain is a mirror to outside as well as what comes in. Okay, And what does that mean? It means that the brain, as I was saying with the subconscious mind, doesn't know what's real or imagined, treats both equal. If you consume pornography today, if children consume pornography, what you're doing is you're firing up mirror neurons and synapses that are going off and reconnecting to those areas of the chemical processes in your body, stimulation, Children today don't have to be abused in order to watch pornography nor commit acts of abuse because what's happening in their brain is they're giving they're being given that program. What I mean by this is that if you message transgenderism as as an effect, as basically what they're saying is that this is <clears throat> this is part of your childhood now, right? Being gender neutral, Mm -hmm. non-binary, being gender fluid, right? And they're all saying it's a social construct. Well, that's literally ritual abuse being spoken into existence as reality, as fact. And then the mind takes that in because of how it's been primed to feel and think about these things, conditioned, and then begins seeing it everywhere. So it appears to act like it's real, like it's real, like it's actually happening. So whereas it was less than 1% of the population before, when the messaging gets ramped up and our schools are using psychological language given to to the the public schools and even the private and the charter ones as well as (laughs) psychological preconditioning for your children by teachers who believe that this is what they should be doing because they feel that this is compassionate or whatever Mm -hmm. the children then become 100% they are, they are 100% programmable. The first seven years of your life, every single one of us is. So what happens is, is when that child's away for five to six to seven, eight hours in that environment, you're having as a parent to fight an uphill battle against the conditioning and the programming in between your busy life, making dinner, if you even have that, your child looking at this all day. You see where I'm going with this? There's there's compounding issues that are manifesting from this. And the only way that parents can get a hold of this is to really to homeschool their children. Um, this critical race theory that we're dealing with here in the united states is a distraction it's low-hanging fruit everybody knows it's bullshit except for the people that i absolutely believe it
0: what was that john Uh, what was that
1: critical race theory ah yes yeah
0: yeah and and
1: you know parents are standing up to it and they're getting it you know knocked out where they can or we're going to have governors and attorney generals we've already had one in virginia that knocked it out like i mean there's there's going to be fights of course
0: but in the UK, John, that that isn't as well known. Um, obviously I see it on Twitter and things like that. Can you just explain what they actually teach teaching the children?
1: They're teaching the children that <clears throat> society is inherently racist and that our history has all been based on race. Um, all oppression comes from white people, um, whether you have power or not. Um <clears throat> so so, like, just to give you like a little microcosm like oprah for example had a guest on her show a year ago talking about and this is this is the the kind of thinking that our billionaire class is giving to our children that you as an as a poor white person okay living in poverty out of a trailer park have more privilege and advantage than a rich black person in society so society as a whole is inherently racist it has a history of racism which is true but they omit again they omit certain facts about what created what and where the struggle was so it's a it's an ever in it's an ever increasing struggle throughout humanity like what we did here in the 1960s how it actually was there were riots at school we don't have that today but the way that they make these children feel is that we have to have different classes of children and that discriminating against the oppressive races is what is necessary in order for these children to have an advantage. And if you're a white child, male or female, no matter what your socioeconomic background is, no matter what, you have to take a second back seat and you have to be trained in knowing how you are inherently contributing to assist. a child, think about it, a child is inherently contributing to a racist society against, and what it does, let me, let me just say this, for, for the people who think that this is good, it's also fostering victimhood in the oppressed class, the supposed oppressed class, it's reinforcing mm. that that mentality that no matter what they do, they're going to be growing up in a world where we have to oppress certain groups of people in order for there to be an equal outcome. They're not looking at, they're not looking at the root cause of what creates poverty. They're not looking at the root causes of what creates discrimination and hatred. Self-hatred starts in the home. It's with your mom and your dad. And the shit that they've gone through in their lives and what they download into you creates this mentality in people that think that the world is against them the world is out to get them and if you have teachers telling their students this from day one as early as kindergarten or even preschool you are priming that mind to look at things in such ways That it could totally be taken in by any type of language as they get older and as an adult that says i have basically tribalism warfare you know tribalistic warfare going on in society imagined in the mind has nothing to do with what's right in front of you has nothing they're viewing their students these these children who you and I both know this. you put kids together, they don't see color. They don't see, no. gender, they don't see any of that. They're beautiful. And what they're doing is they're weaponizing minds for future conflicts. The teachers themselves don't know this. They don't see that trajectory. But because they feel inside of themselves <laughs> guilty for whatever it is, you're supposed to have white guilt by the effect of your skin color. You're supposed to take a back seat and listen to all the minority voice. It's not that people can't listen to each other. It's preconditioning everything to make it so that it is automatically going to be contentious now. Nobody is really listening to each other. You're supposed to have guilt and shame for being born the way you are because you live in a privileged society where white people stand to gain and benefit and it's like man it's absolute madness here the Mm. people that believe this crap and they they switch it over into gender i'm just telling you like it goes this far in california where a year ago there was a bill sb 145 i believe is what it was called where they argued and got passed a statutory law that allows a 24 year old to have a sexual relationship with a 14 year old male right so it's it's basically what they were saying was the law discriminates against gays for having pedophilia pedophile type relationships where the judge does not have to convict that person on the grounds of pedophilia but could make it so that it it is a mutual settlement because there was consent there's some like they're just they keep changing the goalposts and they were arguing this as a gay rights issue it's like You've no point. yeah it's insane it even took a progressive <clears throat> lawmaker a woman who said don't if the law is screwed up don't don't go and make another screwed up law like fix it this is how crazy these people are and we're going to be dealing with this issue of pedophilia gender fluid it's all one and the same really what their what their ultimate goal is, is to make it so that it normalizes underage sex and it makes it so that there isn't any the lines are so blurred. That people making these kinds of choices should be accepted, that they're going to be the new victim class because people don't understand them. You see it in the Atlantic is or this is the liberal, established you know intelligentsia uh, paper here. They're talking about how not all pedophiles abuse children. You know, it's like it's madness. They're trying to carve out like that that there's a specialness. And that we need to really understand why they are the way they are, and we need to give them the freedom to express themselves. Listen, I'm not about, I am, I'm just going to say this very clearly. If anybody thinks we're going to kill our way out of this or incarcerate people to get rid of this problem, you are mistaken. Why I said what I said in the video that I did, and why I will say this now, is that our love for our children is the most powerful force in the history. Of humanity. And if we think that we're going to get rid of these problems by killing pedophiles, by hanging them, I'm not, this again, I'm not making excuses for their behavior. But if we don't go to the root cause as to what created that pedophile to begin with in the home, these are children who were sexually abused at such a level, there was no adult that loved them or cared for them. They had no safety with adults. That doesn't mean that they have the right to do this later in life, but this is what creates a pedophile. When you surround a child with sexual perversion and abuse, and they have no normal normalcy in experiencing love that is not driven by fear or violence, you're going to have bad outcomes. Not everybody's going to turn into a pedophile. It's, it's not a black and white formula, but you are rolling the dice for the future of that child. And let me just say this, if we don't do what we can do in our own homes, the government will, the surveillance state will. They will have greater access and gain to your home and the privacy of your home, you can forget it. They're already doing this over in China right now. They've done it on a, a, and here in the United States, they're just beginning it in smart cities. They're all saying, well, the the rise in violence cannot be curtailed and curbed by police action alone, so we need greater funding for these police departments to have greater technology and surveillance to get your license plate data, to track your faces, facial recognition, retina scans. All of this is being sewn into the consciousness, and we're not realizing that we're building ourselves a future prism. Because what what all of this means at the end of the day is that they want you to believe that human beings cannot self-organize and regulate themselves. The lack of trust in our leadership and our institutions is gonna come full blown, full circle with humanity not trusting each other. They're gonna trust each other less and less. Your neighbor, the people over here, you don't really know who they are, right? You don't really know what's going on inside of somebody's home, but if you don't step up and take the opportunity to invite people in, to get to know them, then society is going to drift further and further away. And we will have a technocratic answer. It's, it's, it's not that hard to see two, three and four, five years down the road, what that all means. And I bringing it back to the critical race theory. It's, sowing distrust among children and making it harder for parents to parent their child who come home indoctrinated with this shit in their head five days a week it's very difficult and then when you turn on the television it's there to reinforce it for you this is why all of our relationships and the decentralization of what's going on the the disintegration of social cohesiveness It is up to human beings, it is not a political answer, it's not, there is no voting this thing out anymore. We have to learn what it is to be a human being in this time, and work one on one to get to know each other, to feel each other, to spend time together with each other again. Not Mm -hmm. in isolation, but in community, and that community begins in us it really is if you're waiting for somebody to step up you're you're going to be lost you've got to take the whatever steps you can to become more self-reliant less reliant on the systems of power the supply chains the government to answer because they have an answer for you and it's not going to be one you like but if more people start joining together coming together and creating those communities Then the outside forces and the powers have very little effect on them. Mm -hmm. And more people than ever before. And I say this as as somebody who I could complain about all the shit that's going on all day long. That if the next two, four, 10 years you spend pointing out all of the problems that are going on and don't create anything, Mm -hmm. then all of the future refugees who will leave the matrix come to you and say, okay. What do we do now? What's the solution? And you don't have one to offer. They're going to go right back into it because that's all they know. But Mm. if you're out there creating and mirroring what can be done, what is possible, and Mm. you prove it, then all the people that trust you are going to trust you that much more. And they're going to come along and get out of this crap.
0: Yeah, I think you have to live, live that life, not just, you know, theorize about it, talk about it you have to actually beat and live like the flow of life, allow that to flow through you rather than constantly seeking that and talking about it. <clears throat> I mean, I've, I've found from my own life that uh, people sort of get drawn towards me who are at that cusp of that. They just need that uh, influence, if you like, just to see actually happening. And then they'll take the, the plunge. Otherwise they'd like, oh, I'm just listening. I'm just, it's like, no, as soon as they see you doing it, they'll then pull the trigger and that's what I see a lot in, the, in this type of work. People aren't doing it. They're reading the books. They're repeating the knowledge, talking about the knowledge, but it doesn't really do anything. You know, uh, a question that I come up while you were talking there, uh, John, is do you think that the advancement in technology is sort of linked with the degeneracy of the culture? It seems that as technology is rising, I, I get that it's a neutral thing and it can be used... Right. based on your level of consciousness. I understand that. But right. it seem, technology seems to be exponentially growing as yes. culture seems to be. And I'm very wary of my own biases here. As society seems to be degenerating. And I'm wondering if there's like a link between the two.
1: Well, I, I, that's a great question. Um, I am of the mindset that I'm like you, that technology is neutral. And it's really what intentions you put behind it right so this is kind of a weird one um when we talk about like technology that is being deployed right by our systems by our governments um there is a necessity uh for technology to play a role in the advancement of human consciousness, right? So what would that first thing be? Well, there's inefficiencies in the old way um, that have more to do with shortening endpoints, lowering overhead, right? Balance sheets, bottom line dollars, right? The other side of it is, human error and the the thing that i see is the unconscious collective of humanity especially in the business class who seeks to gain an advantage against their competitor seeks to gain an advantage in response to this time as being a a mechanism for further behavioral modification and control um Dr. Carrie Miday, who I had on uh, my podcast last year uh, and I interviewed, she talked about this, going to Atlanta where she's from and in the airport at Hartsfield International, they had to turn in all their cell phones and their cameras, their portable digital devices before they could go into this conference in a hangar. And there were certain guest speakers there Names on TV that talked about these new apps and these new technologies that are going to be deployed for corporations and businesses to gain a greater handle on their employees' activities. So, working at home, monitoring, you know, having to have the camera on all the time, not being able to take a break longer than, you know, all of that starts to create behavior modification, Um, but on the next level, it had to do with sourcing employees' behavior as a way to decide what punishment or um, like penalties they would pay if they lied. So there's going to be apps that'll come out in the future that you will have to download and log into with your uh, cell phone that if you call in sick and you say, I'm sick, um, it'll record your voice. And the way that they have drafted this thing up is that it has an algorithm that runs through it to detect anomalies in your speech to see if you're lying or not. So let's say you went out the night before and you drank too much and you were hung over. It can tell that you were hung over versus sick. And that goes on a record. That gets on the blockchain and with the QR codes and your biometric data and all your entire history, including your social media profile that corporations have determined is a threat or not. So you'll be pre-screened ahead of time for the next job that you want in the system. Okay. That's reality. And there's more than just that. On the other side of it, <clears throat> Technology really should only be there as a computer, which is to serve a human being information so that they can make better choices. Okay. Rather than what these other people want, which is an augmented reality, an electronic hallucination 3.0. So these are our electronic hallucinations that we had with us for 13, 14, 15 years. The next step of web 3.0 is immersive environments. It's creating the world that you want to live in and normalizing it. The metaverse uh, people should look into there's um, and I, I can give you the YouTube channel, but there's a guy who creates virtual reality pornography, who is sickened at what he has seen in the VR chats as well as in the metaverse environments that he has gone into where girls as young as 12 and 11 years old are, uh, simulating sex with older businessmen that are going in there and they have their avatars. So they don't really see who they are. And you don't really know who they are. Um, this side of technology as neutral, basically invites the worst behaviors to come in because in public, they can't do that, right? But in a virtual environment that is hidden away from society, they can. But the long-term effects of that are going to play out. And God only knows what that will mean in reality when they take that off and go out into the world, what, what conscious behaviors uh, and thoughts will come and the collective energy that that will sow into society. We don't know. We don't know and, what that will And
0: John, legally, where, what, what happens there?
1: Well, I believe that what this time is, is a manifesting of the world of Satan into the third dimension. Um, I don't say that lightly and i don't say that just based on biblical text i'm saying that evil is becoming more conscious and aware of itself on a collective whole unconscious evil exists and thrives through the unconscious minds of people it's not it's not conscious of itself in essence of you know a villain rubbing (laughs) his hands together uh, the villains that we've been given in our movies are not the villains of the world. Um, At the highest levels where people like Ronald Bernard and Anake Lucas have spoken about the murderous Satanists and even Luciferian really is Luciferianism. It's bigger than Satanism, which is that these people channel entities And energies from other dimensions now people start getting really weirded out about this and go what are you talking about okay i want to say that if you believe in a god or a creator of heaven and earth regardless of whatever your understandings are your prayers your intentions your meditations all of that you are drawing in something from outside of you and within you right these people on the other side of the spectrum do precisely the same thing and what does that mean it's it's forces i guess the easiest way to <clears throat> describe it is the forces as described in ephesians six twelve, the powers and the principalities spiritual uh energies in the most wicked and high wicked uh and high of places whatever our understandings are of that those things do exist that plays a role in the unfolding of our humanity um it is the purpose of transcendence and transmutation the forces that are within each and every one of us not that everybody is good or evil that's not what i'm talking about is that the greatest trick that the devil ever played was to convince us that he didn't exist, but also didn't exist within each of us. This is what Jordan Peterson talks about in the Gulag uh, in relation to that and saying that if you read that book and you look at the descendants into cannibalism and the murderous, none of those people, none of those people in previous moments before that, could ever have even thought that that was even going to be possible or happen. Um, So now, where it concerns technology, my belief, this is sort of where I kind of draw my line. The world of power is served by unconscious men and to a degree women, but mostly men who don't, who are unconscious and don't realize what they truly are and where they actually are. In other words, you're a soul, you're a divine being when you came into this world as a child born of love in the heart and all of us seek love, all of us, including the sociopath and the psychopath and the serial killer in relation to their own understandings of that, which are severely distorted. So what does this mean? It means that one can think of themselves as anything in relation to others or think that, ah, I see where this is going and plug and play into that technology, not seeing the deception. Most of the people that work at Google, most of the people that work at Facebook, especially the ones I know, don't see any of this. Most of the people that work in the hospitals here in the United States that are still there, that are nurses and doctors, have privy to the same data and access as my other friends who have left or who know what's going on, and they can't see, they can't detect the patterns. This overstimulation of the left hemisphere of the brain is going to lead to literal interpretations of reality, where pattern detection, which AI and technology cannot do accurately, Pattern detection and anomalies is what human beings right hemispheres of their brain is capable of doing, which allows you to come to new understandings, new meanings, new possibilities of things, much like a child's imagination is the the engine of creation. What technology can do for us, and this is where I would tell people to start looking. You can identify all the problems out there in the world but know that there is an equal and opposite and even greater possibility and potential to use technology to bring a bridge back into humanity. For example, just in virtual technology, virtual reality, you have suits, you have goggles, you have basically your entire sensations, all your senses can be stimulated, Mm -hmm. right? That's how it would reprogram your mind. Well, imagine if we had a healthcare system with nurses and doctors who we all know come from different homes and backgrounds. This is not a judgment on them. Some had care as a child from their mom or their dad. Some did not. Some came up with parents, some did not. It's not an even you know, distribution. But if you could standardize healthcare with children where imagine you had a virtual reality suit and a virtual baby you know, a doll that you're holding with weight, or it has some kind of weight to it. And you could program into that a feedback loop that allows that nurse or that doctor who's holding that child to see, hear, and feel everything that that child is experiencing by their care. So the voice that they speak, the tone that they use is heard inside the mind of that doctor or that nurse. So they actually hear and see what the child's experiencing. So they can adjust and you create these feedback loops that create new understandings, new conscious awareness. Someone who, let's just say was in a prisoner, has been in prison, had a crack addict mother and a father that was completely negligent. What if we could give that person the ability to have a sleep, a night, a good night of sleep that feels just like they should have experienced when they were a child. The mother's love, the mother's care, the heartbeat, the warmth, that that security that was lacking, the instability of childhood could be reprogrammed in their mind. Now, I'm not saying these are all or nothing solutions. I'm just saying, if we're going to get into the ideas of what technology could do, I take it straight from Terrence McKenna. You could make a fucking fortune by solving the world's problems through technology that don't require us to drift further away from humanity, but reintegrate all of the things that we've lost as children. The experience being out in the, in the forest and actually feeling those resonant frequencies and, that, and, that, and all of that power that's coming from nature that we know naturally, if you could be in nature, Your brain, after 20 minutes, begins to breathe in that air. But again, all of this is chemical and signature processes going on in the body. They're not just necessarily physical manifestations. So they could be artificially simulated and reprogram the subconscious mind in people. Now, is there meditation? Is there somatic healing? There's, There's a holistic part to this whole thing. And it has to be done. The most important thing is it has to be done with the utmost transparency and care and allow the scrutiny to come because the (laughs) results do need to prove themselves. There will be people who take technology and do it like Frankenstein. And I'm not for any of that. So if it's going to cause further damage or hide other problems, no, we need people who, who are bringing together the top minds, looking at how we can reprogram and rewire the brain. There's plenty of Ted talk. Talks out there on this of people who have had degenerative diseases, um, problems from childhood, problems from drug addiction, having all of those problems reversed over a short period of time. These are not quick fixes, but we need to bring to bear all that we can from real science of the mind and the body and see how technology could incorporate that and go meet people where they are Some people will not try meditation, but some people who are on virtual reality and who live in that world can be helped if they want to. And these are the things that it's just our creativity. We just have to turn it on a little bit more to be able to understand what is possible that technology can help us gain and grow and evolve our own minds, not to do it outside of it. That's really the difference is that we are drifting into two-tiered society where one side of it is going to go into a more mechanized form of human being and another one that will go into a more natural form of human being. Technology can do either one. It's just that little extra thought behind it that we can use in order to make humanity expand and grow and become the full biological intelligence that we are born as and yet have been taken away from and lost.
0: Ray Kurzweil, uh, I think you you probably know him. He said that in, I think it was by 2040, AI will be a billion times more intelligent than a human being. Yes. And I hear stuff like that and that I've got to be honest, that, that would scare me if I didn't have, uh, I suppose, a more, in my opinion, a more uh, complex thinking system. I think for anyone to actually grasp that, that's quite a difficult piece of information to comprehend. It's like a, he said that it's like a fly in, in comparison to Albert Einstein, and we're going to be like that in comparison to AI. So I'm thinking, well, if that becomes a self Self-conscious to the degree that a non-divine entity can be, are we going? Are we going to destroy ourselves by what we create?
1: The potential always has existed. Um, The way unto which I see that is this the world of knowledge is the luciferian program knowledge, not in the sense of, you know, there's endless books that you can read. There's endless information that you can apply and take and use anywhere, right? Okay. I'm not rejecting knowledge, but if we don't learn to use our brains, at the quantum computing level that this is a quantum computing machine. This also opens up portals. I mean, it's it's the brain, There's a re, I, I tell people, there's a reason why DARPA exists and wants to get into your mind and wants to use your DNA as a connector to the internet of things. That's not science fiction. This has been stated for years and scientists who have, I mean, there's videos On YouTube about this, or they still allow them at least, that show people, it's like, this is what they've been preparing for a very long time, um, to plug and play our brains into the internet, and to be able to hit signals into our bodies as a vessel, a carrier of those messages. But to really get down to it, it's like your belief in AI is what makes it real more so than AI itself being the answer. And what I mean is, can it destroy us? It can, but it can't if people don't invest in it. If people don't invest in it, it's not, it's not profitable to grow these systems, even with the greater controls that it has. In other words, AI cannot imitate human conscious Feeling and behavior. In other words, it, it can't take real feeling, real care, and apply it into knowledge. Our ability as human beings is to take knowledge, practice it, and create something with it. AI can only imitate it, it can only simulate it, it can't think for itself it can only compile 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 and give you endless possibilities and probabilities but that's it now Mm -hmm. you may say one day that that might be possible but again you have to get everybody buying along into it to show you that it is the future and this is the one thing that i can tell you that even though that's really where they i mean they they forecast us out into 2050 and 2100 basically downloading our own brain consciousnesses into machines okay so that's what they think they're going to do that's what they believe as to what will actually happen that's a whole other issue humanity will not i i this is what i truly believe okay and maybe i i will be proven wrong or right in my lifetime i have no idea (laughs) but i do believe that there is a creator of heaven and earth that will be under attack and those beliefs will be under attack going forward that will not let its creation destroy itself and die and that doesn't mean that you know The heavens are going to necessarily open up and god's going to return in the way that we think he will or it will or his son whatever your beliefs are i'm not here to challenge them i'm just saying there is a reason why we haven't destroyed ourselves in spite of all of the monstrosity that has been waged on humanity over thousands of years by the same forces going up against it it cannot it cannot destroy all of what Its creation is for whatever the reasons are, but this is what I'm going to say is that they have their idea. And then there's God's plan and whatever that is, I don't know, and I don't try to think I know, but I do understand that all throughout the forces in the cosmos in the history of time as it's played out on this planet and maybe elsewhere that we don't see in multiple realities other dimensions. The story of our human story has yet to be written and they have their plans and they have their agendas. And I'm not just one of, oh, just faith and faith. No, you got to acts, acts, acts of doing, you must act. But if you go out and you think you're gonna win this by fighting it or shutting it down or blowing it up, no. If humanity were all to stand up together And again, it's not going to happen tomorrow or the next day. It's one-on-one, but if humanity were all to stand up and say, you have no power over us anymore, we're going to go. They would lose everything. It's hard to imagine. It really, truly is, but it's no different than the governments today of what's failing. They don't have a, a ceiling anymore. They can go any higher. They just can't because people have lost their faith and their trust in them. But, The question is will we learn the lessons of this time rather than step into another offering by a new group of people or a new face that's really the issue and authority authoritarianism is here to stay for a while at least it is going to leave an ugly stain and scars on society but those who can look at what is really going on and see where Things can be affected in children and in their own lives and the inner work that you have done and other people and myself, and it's a continual process, but it's one that evolves us away from getting into the contention and the anger and the despair. Even in the darkest of hours, all of humanity has found love as its grounding foundation to hold on to without going into total and complete hell. And the way that these people will work is they will try to do that by throwing future cla- cataclysms at us that we don't see today, but that are underway. That's not a position to be scared about, it's to accept and understand that as long as there are unconscious people in this world at a mass level, we are going to have to figure out creative ways in order to re-engage humanity and bring us back into humanity. If it's technology, if it's spirituality, if it's, if it's a sum total of many things, many pieces, each one of us has a diversity in us, a diversity of ideas, a diversity of magic. And it's really just looking at it and going, there is, I mean this in, in the simplest, but you know, truest of ways, it is an entire symphony. And you have your instrument and you must learn to play it well so that other people can hear that sound, that beauty that's coming out of you. And it will inspire others to take up their instrument, make it beautiful and play together again. That's really what it all comes down to is that we are mirrors to each other. And The people we love and care for, and even the ones who are our enemies too, who are hurting, they don't want to live that way. They don't want to suffer. They may have to suffer a lot more until they finally decide, I don't want to live this way anymore, but they're not going to live any other way by us doing nothing. They'll drift further and further down that hole in those trajectories. And it was always, I guess, on the personal level, it was all the people. You know, when I looked at my mother and father and my own childhood and the emotional reality of that, and having been depressed most of my life and having been suicidal at eight, nine years old, it was the kindness of strangers who had no invested outcome. Like they did not know what was going to happen to that little boy when they were gone, when they grew up. But they gave what they could and each one of those things was a breadcrumb it was a deposit of gold in the bank for my future so that by the time i became a man and i had an awareness and i could see the difference between what hateful feelings do and what loving feelings do i had a choice now because i saw that behavior modeled for me in steps and stages by men and women who saw this boy who was suffering and said, I'm not going to let anything else happen to him. I'm going to do what I can to help him. And it comes from an understanding of their own experience too. That it's like their own suffering, they could see that suffering in that little child and they could do something about it and give what they could in that moment, even if it was just a smile or a pat on the head or a good job, not bullshitting, but like reality. Or give them an outlet and give them an opportunity to speak, just let the steam off a little bit. Those are those are golden moments. And we should not take for granted an any which thing that we do is to actually look at ourselves and watch ourselves with a greater sense of awareness as we move forward in this life, to not hold on so tightly to our beliefs. But if their beliefs that you believe are in fact the absolute value, don't be afraid to test them. Don't be afraid to challenge them, not because you think you're wrong, but because if your beliefs are in fact truth, then they should stand up to anything. If anything about all of this censorship and all of this this totalitarian, authoritarian energy that's out there, it's, it's fueled by narcissistic behaviors because of the fact that people are afraid and the more the more we fear, the easier it is for them to control us. That's really the bottom line. The more care we give to other people, the more we create out of love and what we care about in this world for ourselves, our children, and all the people we care about, that energy is, is like a virus. It will spread everywhere. It is contagious. Love is contagious. Anyway. No,
0: I think that's that's beautifully said i mean um without trying to fall into the new Agey ideology of love love and light all the time and everything love in the real sense of the essence of what that is is the answer to this issue without the categories and the labels and the objects very much the left brain effects that you were talking about earlier without all of that that, that, that Rumi quote, beyond, the, beyond what is right and wrong, there is a field, I'll meet you there. And that to me is what that essence is, what that love is. That, um, that seems to be revealed to you uh, as part of your being when you, in my experience, d- choose to drop falsity and illusion and say no more. I'm not I'm deciding not to play in the game of illusion anymore. It tends to begin revealing itself to you. And truth, truth then becomes the fundamental principle that you build everything on. And I talked earlier a little bit about the discernment. It becomes a lot easier to see what is loving and what is unloving. It comes through your television and it it, it hurts you to listen. It's not something that you have to think about. It's like, I can't listen to that, it's pain. And I think this is naturally revealing for people. It's not something you have to sort of develop over time, uh, that lovingness, it's something that becomes who you are. Not in the like hugging everybody sense, but in the sense that you, you, you recognize everybody as that same spark of divinity. Yeah, so that's that's sort of where you were talking there. That was beautifully said by yourself, by the way. So, so thank you for sharing that, John. We've gone out of the time. Um, have you got any more time, or, have you, or are you done?
1: Um, I do have to go in a few minutes, maybe like uh, ten more minutes. And okay, we'll do ten
0: minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> what can people do then, uh, from your experience of, of uh, the, the study you've done and your life experiences? What could people do practically to make their life better, make the lives of the people they love better and essentially raise the level of consciousness of humanity.
1: On a practical level, um, looking at all the, you know, so if you're going to start outside, you're going to start somewhere before you can look inward. Um, I look at all the things that you have dependencies on, you know, uh, such as schooling, such as groceries, food, water even, um, and learn how to grow your own food inside, hydroponic or otherwise. Do a community garden, working with people that are of the same mindset mm-hmm. and understand at least on some level that there is a fundamental uh, problem with our dependency on externalized systems, right? On an internal level. And, and let me, let me say, hold on before I I conclude that, um, this isn't the only place to go, but I mentioned Corey's digs.com earlier. Um, there is a tab on there called solutions. And I highly encourage people to look at all of those different articles because she has things on organic farming, growing, um, homestead farming. Of course, some people can't do that. I totally understand. Sometimes it's just gotta be done in steps. There's also the biggest fight that is coming up is not just these vaccine passports, which I know they're uh, repealing, right? In certain areas, but it's the digital ID. Mm -hmm. And the digital ID is, so if you think about it like this, COVID was a head fake to get you to the vaccine, to get you to the digital ID passport. All of this was moved into place as this event unfolded that we're all fighting. So Corey has in there 22 uh, reasons why this digital ID has to be defeated this year, has to. Um, it has to be stopped and she's got solutions in each one of those on the personal side. Um, here's what I believe is key when you help somebody else, you help and heal yourself being human to human in your contact, zoom, find Helping somebody else helps you it's, it's, it's not just a transactional, uh, uh, event. You need to look at somatic healing. Uh, there's a lady by the name of Irene Lyon. Uh, she's got a website. I know a lot of people right now are talking about cold plunges, showers, um, breath work, meditation, all of that is fine. But if there's some real deep-seated anger, depression issues, um, EFT tapping, emotion freedom technique, havening, uh, Paul McKenna, wonderful uh, Brit. uh, You know, he's got a video out there. There's also other ones. There's a gentleman from New Zealand who does a different type of of, uh, havening. Um, You really need to look into subconscious mind programming now that could be with binaural beats uh it could be with um sacred acoustics uh there's another group out there i would really caution people though to to not run out to youtube um and start listening to a lot of the things on there because you don't know really what what's going on um i'm just saying they can pitch Frequencies a certain way, and and you just don't know who's behind that channel. I'm not saying that you can't trust people, but the big commercialized ones, I would be a little bit more skeptical versus the ones who specialize, and you can see who they are, and you understand the methodology behind what they're doing. Whereas a lot of people today are just running out there and wanting to have a kundalini awakening. Um, this stuff is dangerous to play around with. You're playing with fire. Um, I do believe in plant-based psychedelics medicines doctors who understand the science of the brain who are uh wanting to heal people's depression uh not just to you know for the legality and the and the commercialization of it um and you know people look into ayahuasca and dmt again I don't believe you should go running and playing with fire. You really need to learn and study that before you get involved with people who are doing these ceremonies, not because they're bad or ill-intentioned. It's just that you're really wanting to, um, heal and not be placed into a position of where it's a cult or, um, or that, uh, you feel like, oh, I've got it. I've biohacked this and I'm done. Healing, y- you've taken years to get here. It's not that it needs to take decades to get out of it, but it's not something that, you know, I've i have experienced this for myself, three, four years of this. And prior to that, 10 years, 10 to 12 years of knowledge. Um, you really need to take a holistic view. You need to look at what you're putting into your body. You need to look at what, you know, is being put into your food and the things that you cook with that are affecting your cellular structure, affecting your blood. Um, I think people need to go outside every day, 20 to 30, maybe 40 minutes, put your feet on the ground, um, get out in nature more, make it almost, if you can, a weekly ritual to walk, to breathe that air in the forest, um, to really get in touch with the earth, Um, and I'm not, you know, some hippie that's just, you know, it's all love and peace, man, but I'm just saying, like, we're pulled away from all that we come from, and we need to reintegrate all of these medicines and these foods that are to live in harmony and balance with ourselves. They do affect our mind, they affect our, our physical, emotional, and mental health. A lot of the cancers and things that, you know, we deal with in the final stages are manifestations of traumas that have occurred over time. And I'm not, when I say trauma, I just, I wanna be very clear about this. I'm not talking about your parents beating you. I'm not talking about just sexual abuse, negligence, uh, any type of denial of your authority, which most of the time as a child, you forget, And it's banished from memory, but the body will not make you forget that. Um, There's books by Alice Miller. uh, Drama of the Gifted Child, For Your Own Good, The Body Never Lies. And there's probably four or five others. Plus there's other authors out there. Which describe with no contradiction. The absolute emotional reality and truth about. What happens in childhood and Lloyd Demaz's work. And just as a side note, Lloyd Damas, who is a psychohistorian, this will actually come back into play maybe after this time, more people will start looking into his work, which basically described the collective psychosis of the individuals and that region, those regions where all of this authoritarian and totalitarianism thrived. And it was all on the basis of psychological preconditioning in childhood that made possible Hitler and Mao and Stalin because people could not see anything different. They needed an authority figure that mirrored their father or their mother. And what Lloyd DeMaz and Alice Miller both kind of did there was to show how child rearing in the 18th and 19th century in Bavaria was the precondition for that kindling of the fire that burned because back then, most of what parents did to their children, they had a 60 to 70% mortality rate children did back then. Most of what the parents did to their children back then would be punishable by death today. Our parents did not have the language and the resources and the access to what we have today they didn't have the words to describe trauma as in childhood. They didn't have the access outside of their family to even begin to talk about it on the level that we do today. So the thing is that in the final analysis, you have to get this mind, and this body with the soul and the spirit in alignment and in steps. And group therapy is fantastic. But one-on-one, really, is even just having a friend who can listen to you and be there for you is enough it's to start somewhere. So if you don't have money, it's not—it's not of—it's not, not important to have just money to solve these problems. But I believe that what transpires inside of you will be manifested outside of you. It will draw—you will draw new relationships and new people to you. You have to seek it out. If you have to go online, find it online first, but keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep keep going out with the, the, the mindset that it is, this is my time in my generation to solve these problems. Humanity is on the cusp of having this awareness as the events of time unfold. But to be a a player in that is not going to be a reactive player. You need to be an anchor. On earth as it is in heaven, the bindings that you bring here and manifest into the third dimension are the anchors that everyone wants to live in, a higher trust society. When, When we're born into this program, we're timeless divine beings. We don't have a sense of history. Children don't know what yesterday and tomorrow, the concepts of yesterday and tomorrow are taught and evolved over time. What I'm saying is that if you lived up underneath a rock or you lived on a deserted island or you were an alien that came here, you know, not knowing anything of the history and everything that people have gone through, your life would be completely different. Now, that doesn't mean that you run away and escape, but the truth of the matter is is that you have to have a space in here that is calm and sane. In here, that is loving and caring for others, but first for yourself, and this is the thing I, I would share lastly, is compassion, empathy, forgiveness, unconditional love, and ultimately care start here. For yourself, you cannot give what you haven't yet brought into yourself. So letting go of the shame and the guilt and the blame is the number one. I would say it's the Achilles heel of almost every single one of us is that we're carrying around this enormous guilt and shame. And we we will project that onto others as you're seeing today. That loneliness, that, that abuse, that neglect, it's when a mom and dad, when you're a child, when a mother and father withdraw their care, even in a moment to that child, that child is at a loss for what is going on. And that loneliness, which is not real today, but is back then is the pain of the absence of that care and love. And what happens is depending on the severity of it, those terrors, that fear that dominates that becomes the child's shield. It becomes the toddler ego to protect itself. We don't need to run away and try to get rid of our ego. We need to be that loving parent that we were not, that was not there for us in those moments of need. We need to love our inner child by going back to that child and saying, I am here for you. I am not going to let you suffer ever again and integrate that into us so that we can have an actual dialogue with that little boy or little girl inside of us that's terrified in those moments. It's not to say that all will, will be resolved in a week or a day or a year or a month, but what, I, what I'm getting is, is that it begins a new loop that does not seek a parental figure or authority outside of us to sedate that. What these monsters have done to us over thousands of years is to stimulate us through fear. And then they sedate us with their next, their next, um, I guess, falsehood. We break that cycle when we break it inside of us. If you want to be a code breaker, you want to be a cycle breaker, you got to break it in here. And simply it's like this. It ran in my family before it ran into me. That's ultimately the the mantra I use to see the difference. And it gave me, and I know this is hard for a lot of people, and I don't blame them, but it gave me the compassion, the unconditional love, and ultimately the forgiveness of my mother and father for what they did to me, not because I said, oh, I forgive them. I forgave myself for what I had done in my life and to other people, unaware of what I was doing. And so when I went back and I looked at my mom and father and their lives and the children, the beautiful children they were born as. And seeing those, that life in those pictures and seeing their friendships and seeing that they had all the dreams and all the love, the wanting of those things no different than me. That's where I could go and say, I will honor them both for the two souls that they were born as, the children that they were born as, who had no choice but to suffer, and that their suffering was my suffering and my suffering was their suffering. That was the thing that I could say that none of them, my father, who was born into wealth, had gone to Notre Dame University was a top athlete in high school who was an incredible businessman Mm -hmm. at 82 years old died penniless when his company that he had sold prior to was worth $22 million in annual revenue. And I'm sitting here going, what was that? His plan a was his plan a to hurt his children was his plan a to, to end up in divorce twice was his plan a to lose his ability and his mind to be able to organize himself to where he couldn't even wash his own clothes at the end. Now that doesn't mean that I have grief for my father and absolves all of the shit that he did to me, but I had to look at it in such a holistic way to go all of my sins, all of, when I say sin, I don't mean lowliness, this, all of my lack of awareness in what I was doing as a young man was the very thing that I had to forgive myself for and others for the very thing that they were unaware of the suffering that they became as a result of the situation that they were in. That's where I believe it takes enormous effort, but has to start in here because to ask other people to forgive those who are hurting you, who are wanting to cause you harm, or are calling you all sorts of hateful things on the basis of no knowing of anything that's true. Those individuals, while I'm not saying you can't stand up to them and you should, right, to stop their advancement, understand that they are no different than you in the sense that they were all born as children from a creator of heaven and earth and things went vastly off the, off the rails when they were younger. They would not want to be in this situation if given a choice that they could see was different. And this is where I'm saying that all of it comes full circle, because if you create the world you want to live in, you invite those people to come. If they don't want to walk away, move on, but you planted the seed, you made the offering possible, you gave them another option, another potential, another opportunity, and let it go. Don't try to force the outcome. That's all the lack of power within you trying to gain a greater control on the world again. And so when you find yourself doing it, you've got to look back at this person in the mirror again. I mean, I, I, I can't say it more more clearly is that this is a human problem. Mm-hmm. This is our issue, not anything else. And so when I'm talking about solutions, all the things that I mentioned and more exist out there to create things i believe that more beauty you bring around you living things plants animals design whatever it is however you like life if you organize yourself in such a way you are literally creating that beauty both within and outside of you and it's creating loops and feedback and it's only going to continue to manifest more and more as time goes on
0: mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Beautifully said. And a great way to finish. John, uh, thank you very much for your time. I really have enjoyed talking to you. I appreciate it. Uh, Would you be open to coming back on in the future?
1: Absolutely, (laughs) I would. I really like what you're doing, Alex, and I appreciate your show.
0: Thank you. Uh, Have a great day. Have a great week. Uh, Speak soon.
1: All right, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye.